Blog Talk Radio.
never fly off to Neverland. I'll never travel in time. All I can do is the best I can and go there in my mind. So I close my eyes, imagine I'm there, hide and seek musical chairs, hot summer nights and the cool winter snow from once upon a long time ago I smile as I look back on roads I've crossed traveling down memory lane but without all of those that I loved and lost life is not the same For all the good times I can recall To all I've loved God bless you all The happiest moments that I'll ever know Were once upon a long time ago like this. Once there was a great silver fleet, mail planes, silver planes, and airplane seats. A house full of love, a great place to grow old, once upon a long time ago. If only I could go back again to Eastern Airlines and all of my friends, I would feel safe with the people I know once upon a long time ago. I'll never fly off to Neverland. I'll never travel in time. All I can do is the best I can and go there in my mind. I would feel safe with people I know once upon a long time ago. So I close my eyes, imagine I'm there. Eastern Airlines and people who care. Hot summer nights and the cold winter snow from once upon a long time ago. I smile as I look back at all the roads I crossed traveling down memory lane, but with all those, without all those that I've loved and lost, life is not the same. For all the Eastern good times I can recall, to all I've loved, God bless you all. The happiest moment that I'll ever know was Eastern Airlines once upon a long time ago. And, folks, that's the way we think about it. Every Monday at this time, 1 o'clock, and uh, that uh, reading was especially for a guest that we have on the air today. Uh, 
and uh, I'll get to him in just a minute if you don't mind, Vito. But first of all, I want to say hello to the hosts that are on the air with us today, and we're going to be telling some, uh, I don't know, some uh, tall stories, I guess. And uh, But uh, first of all, uh, Jim Holder, how you doing? And Jim is from uh, the Atlanta area. Hello, Jim. Yeah, doing fine. Waiting for the remnants of the hurricane to come up here and water my lawn for me. <laughs> okay. And uh, from what I understand, maybe take out a tree or two in your backyard, right? Yeah. <laughs> I kind of fall on my neighbor's yard. It's his damn tree, not mine. <laughs> okay. Well, we feel really sorry for those folks in the southern Louisiana area. And I uh, watched it all day yesterday and got a song or two that uh, we're going to play during our show if we get a break in the conversation. But I'm going to take it up to New York and Long Island. Hey, Mike Scott, how you doing? I'm doing just fine, as well as can be expected, I guess. Nice day today, 81 degrees, partly cloudy, and probably be getting a little remnants of some rain towards the uh, next couple of days from Ida. Okay, very good. And as I mentioned, we have a guest with us, and uh, he's from my neighborhood, right across I-95 from where I live. And uh, uh, we just uh, talked this morning, and the first time we've talked on the phone, and convinced him to join us today on our show. And and uh, his name is Vito, and he says it's pronounced like the car Corolla, so I'll say Marola. Is that right, Vito? Good to have you with us today. Oh, thank you, Neil. I appreciate the intro. Uh, yes, um, uh, that's how you say it, Vito Marola. Sometimes people say Vito with a D, but that's okay also. <laughs> okay. Just don't call me Mary, and I'll be fine. <laughs> or Sue. <laughs> mm. Oh, yeah, like uh, uh, was that guy, the singer, a boy named Johnny Sue. Cash. Johnny Cash. Yeah. Johnny Cash, great song. <clears throat> Yeah, we play him, too, on our radio show, so good to have you. We'll learn more about you as we go into our show today. And uh, okay, we've got a, a few stories to tell, but as I mentioned earlier and as we probably all watched yesterday, at least my wife and I had the TV and watching the Weather Channel, and we would go to uh, uh, CNN or SBC, whatever the other channels are, and pick up uh, when – the commercial breaks were on the Weather Channel, but it was absolutely uh, uh, terrible, uh, the storm that blew through, and I didn't think it would be that hard. I don't think anybody thought it would be that hard. You you guys have thoughts about what you saw yesterday or heard yesterday on the news? Well, it was horrible. Uh, yeah. In some respects, it was worse than... Uh, Camilla, Camilla, what was it that six stink? Uh, not Katrina, the one before Katr- that back in the month. Katrina. Camilla, Katrina, no, that's the one that hit 16 that years ago, but the one, the really bad one that hit the Mississippi Gulf Coast and just tore it to bits up there. They said it was the strongest surge they'd ever had. Now, from what I'm hearing, this may have been worse than that surge of that one back in the late 70s. Well, you're from Mississippi. Were you there when that happened, when that hurricane came through? No, I was up in Chicago, I think. I was up there then. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it was uh, it was a, a real disaster, and I haven't even seen the TV about the uh, after uh, videos that uh, they show about the devastation of, of a strong storm like that. But um, but at any rate, uh, our show today is about uh, stories that we remember, and if you guys have got a story or two, I'd sure like to hear it. And, thing that I thought would be good is to uh, tell a story if you have one, true, if possible, or you might be able to <laughs> tell it at any any rate without it being true or either true and embellish it a little bit. But I have my favorite, and I've told it on the air so many times in the past, but I think we have listeners from around the world from different countries now, and, and uh, I don't know how it sounds in... Slovakian, but uh, at any rate, I'm going to tell mine, but I want to find out. Hey, I got another caller on the air, area code 519. That sounds like it might be Bill Kennedy up there in North Georgia. Is that you, Bill, or or Al Jenkins? In in London. In London. Okay. This is Renee. Hello, Renee. Did you get your books that I sent you? Uh, Yes, I did, and I didn't get back to you yet because we've had an air show uh, running here in London it finished yesterday, and the feature of the air show was the Blue Angels did an amazing show. Oh, they always do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Well, I think Eastern, uh, Jim, I think, uh, and Mike, you probably remember we had some Thunderbirds that were Eastern pilots, and I think we had a, a Blue Angel or two, didn't we, over the years? Yes. Uh, uh, I know. I, I flew with a, I had a second officer the Blue Angel. Uh, definitely. Uh, he had okay. a T-shirt you could see through his uniform shirt and saw, saw Blue Angels underneath it. I was kidding <laughs> him about it. He's making sure everybody knew he'd been a Blue Angel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I had a Thunderbird with me one time as a first officer. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, very interesting. And then I walked a picket line with another uh, Blue Angel uh, in Pensacola. And I can't think of his ni- name now. But when we mm-hmm. had our... When we had our little uh, strike there, uh, we had all of the guys that would show up in the front of the, the terminal there with uh, uh, showing our support for the IAM, and and um, he was one of the Blue Angels. Golly, I can't think of his name now. But at any rate, was uh, he a Blue I'm, Angel I'm sure or a fallen, fallen Angel? <laughs> a fallen angel. But at any rate, uh, I'm sure, Renee, you really enjoyed the show. Was that the first time you saw the Blue Angels perform? Apparently, it's the first time in 25 years that they have been in Canada. Wow. So, yeah, yeah I mm. heard it tremendously. Yeah, wow. That's pretty good. They didn't get lost going up there, right? Eh? <laughs> they got GPS in their airplanes, too, Mike. <laughs> well, now, you know wait a minute. Military London, VFR pilots. If they were going to fly in London, they might have uh, headed uh, east and, and gone to London, England instead of London, Canada. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, who wants to lead off with a story or two before I get into well, Boom Boom? <laughs> well, I can give you a little update on my son, Mike, you know. Uh, oh, I talked good. to him a while good. ago, and uh, he's over there still. You know, he's going to be putting his papers in, I guess. Uh, he's going to uh, go to a staff job. Right now, you know, he's got a command of under in the, the Southern Command, 
And uh, but anyhow, uh, I talked to him this morning, and he said he just bought the most expensive Atlanta Falcon tickets you could imagine because they're <laughs> playing in London <laughs> in October. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, and uh, his lady friend lives in England, and he's going to try to take some leave. He's got all kind of leave built up and fly over to London and go see the Falcons play Oakland, I think, or something like that. They're $40 a ticket, and uh, uh-huh. that don't count all the cost of him get, getting on an airliner and flying over there. Yeah, yeah. So, well, you uh, say he's bringing his ticket. Yeah, you you say he's getting his papers in for uh, retirement now. Oh yeah, he's got fifteen years, uh, thirty five years. We'll have thirty five years on duty. I mean, active duty, not counting the uh, air guard time that he had five years in the air guard. Well, can and, he come uh, on yeah, as, uh, uh, as a general, a uh, uh, one star or two star general? No, uh, he had ten years. You know, when he was in the first Afghan war, Iraq war, uh, as an Army warrant officer. And when oh, he yeah. left the Army and went to the Air Force, he came and, and they had to make him an officer, so they sent him to OTS, Officer Training School, down in Montgomery, yeah. Alabama, and he was commissioned a second lieutenant. So then he was in the Air Force and flying those big helicopters with pavlos and all that, and the uh, uh, Ospreys. Uh, he had he was a second lieutenant aircraft commander with majors as co-pilot, which is sort of a funny thing you see, you know. So he had a 10-year uh, uh, that he was a warrant officer, didn't count toward his uh, commission service. So that's why he'd have been a two-star years ago, probably at least a two-star. Yeah. And, but he had that 10 years that kept him, held him back. Yeah. Well, it'll so good. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you'll be happy to have him. Do you think he'll settle around where you are there in Atlanta? No, I don't think so. He says this gal he knows, and we've yet to meet a person. At least I have. Uh, his mother flew over there and met her. But uh, uh, he's going to go take a couple of, you know, he'll go on tournament leave is what they call it uh, sometime next summer and uh, use up his leave. And uh, then he's going to go over there and spend some time with her in England, and they're going to decide what they're going to do. He's gonna, he's got to be so Englandized over there. He and that, that gal, they're f- forever buying old English stuff from bars and, you know, the, the pubs. And he likes that pub life, and he likes rural England. So it wouldn't surprise me one bit that they just he just stayed there in England with her. Well, you know, Jim, my brother-in-law was an FBI agent. As a matter of fact, he was the FBI agent head of the Lockerbie uh, crash of Pan Am in London. Mm -hmm. And uh, when he came out of London, when he came back to the country, and um, and he brought an English, an old English taxi cab back with him. Mm. And uh, and, uh, I got the chance to ride around Chicago when I was up there on a layover, and he took me all over Chicago where he uh, was assigned uh, FBI assignment. But uh, Mm -hmm. good Good that he's uh, coming out, and uh, and also your daughter is recovering from COVID. So she, she had it pretty morning. bad, didn't she? She had it very bad. Uh, about uh, five, six, seven days ago, they were on the verge of putting a ventilator, putting a, on a ventilator, and you know they put you to sleep and all that, and it really is a very bad recovery just to recover from being on a ventilator. I didn't know that. Yeah. I've learned yeah. a lot in the last two weeks. 
But uh, she started coming around, and next thing I know, she called, and I could talk to her. She still has a little hesitancy in her breath. She has to stop a little bit. But she came home today, and it's just a miracle, a miracle, because I thought they, yeah. they were talking about she was probably going to be to the hospital in, like, months. You know, some of these people are in there, you know, three and four months. And yeah. I certainly didn't want that to happen. But I'll tell you one thing. She learned a lesson. She and her husband and her son, they all came down with it. Not a one of them had taken the shot. And I asked her, yeah. you know, after she got well enough to talk, I said, well, what do you think about that now that you haven't done that? She said, well, the thought has crossed my mind. You know, yeah. In other words, she's unseen yeah. the light. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's great uh, that uh, she's doing well now. And, and yeah. uh I'm going to play my first song, and you guys think of some other stuff that we can talk about. If not, I've got uh, my Boom Boom story I'm going to tell. But uh, here's mm-hmm. one dedicated to New Orleans. See if you can remember who the singer is of this first song that we'll play. Riding on the city of New Orleans. Illinois Central Monday morning rail Fifteen cars And fifteen restless riders Three conductors And twenty-five sacks on mail All along the southbound Odyssey The train pulled out at Oh, my. 
Well, the singer. Oh, none other. Yes. <laughs> I'll tell none you other. who made it. I'll tell you who made it pop uh, popular though was Arlo Guthrie. Yeah. yeah. He's yeah, the one that yeah. really and listen to this. I'm gonna drop I just happened to just read this and I was astounded. Uh, and I've I've read in the city. We called it the city. It came through Jackson, Mississippi. We called it the city. But I read I wrote it twice. But anyhow, Steve Steve Goodman and I'm just reading on the thing here, in nineteen seventy he wrote the lyrics to that song. They were on the Illinois Central train and they were going to visit his wife's grandmother and she went to sleep so he took the time and and wrote the song. Now, I don't know if that's, uh, I bet it is well, true anyhow. Well, do you know the significance of the 100 miles? I've done my 100 miles. Not sure, no. Well, my dad was a railroad man for 41 years with the Atlantic Coastline Railroad. And when yeah. I was a little kid, he had me in the first diesel that came through Goldsboro, North Carolina, my hometown. Uh-huh. And he got my brother and I up real early because the first diesel was showing up at the railroad station where he was a station manager, and he wanted his kids to ride in the cab of the first diesel that came through Goldsboro. And so, of course, we we went out and got on that. Uh, they were doing some car switching there at the station, and uh, we went up and down the tracks. And as a little kid, a little, little kid, you know, about seven or eight years old, I was so impressed mm-hmm. looking down out of that cab at those little to- toothpick railroad tracks. <laughs> I mean, they look so small way down there. But mm. the significance of the 100 miles is that the engineer back in those days, don't know how it is now, but the engineer back in those days could only go 100 miles down the line before they had to have a layover. And my dad had a house that he rented a room, a bedroom, to the engineers for $0.25, uh, 25 cents a night, excuse me. And it was on the honor system as he had a cigar box on the mantelpiece where they put their $0.25 cents in to spend the night. Now, what well, do you think of yeah. that? <laughs> yeah. Well, that, you that, think had to be before, that had to be before <laughs> the streamliner, so. I yeah. mean, they could go 100 miles real quick. Oh, yeah, this is back in the old lot. locomotive days. These are the old locomotives. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But at any rate, uh, we've got uh, Vito with us, and already introduced him earlier, and Vito Marola. And, Vito, I think you shared a story with us. Well, I don't think. I know you shared a story with us off the air before coming on. Can you tell us about your experience with Eastern Airlines? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So uh, I planned a small trip out um, about 20, well, back in 89 when they shut down. Well, right before it, I booked an Eastern Airlines flight to Tampa, Florida. My mom and dad had a home in Tarpon Springs, nice little community, fishing village, and they just bought it. So I wanted to go check it out. And it might have been my second visit there. Anyway, I fly down on Eastern. Everything's good. La-di-da. Happy day. Just me. I don't have any kids yet. I don't have any wife yet. Right? <laughs> I go down. I have a pretty good time. I'm getting a beer here and there, getting a, 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 a Denny's sandwich. Did they, by the way, do you know if they went out of business right around Thanksgiving? Am I wrong? Or was that in March? 
Because I was looking online, but I want to know when they shut the lights off. Well, March is when the strike, and for all practical purposes for us guys that went out, it was March. Okay, March so it the had third. to be in March then. March the 3rd, yeah. about yeah. that. I remember it was a little chilly. I think I have some pictures with a, a denim jacket on. So I fly down. Everything's good. So when I flew back, uh, I go to the airport and uh, get out of the taxi or rent a car, whatever I had. And uh, I go to the counter, and the counter is dark. There's not a soul. There's no ticket takers. There's no baggage check people, nothing. I'm like, am I in the right part of the airport? Did they move the, the station somewhere downstairs? So I go over to, to American or Delta, whoever it was. I said, you know what happened uh, to uh, Eastern? They said, well, I think they're out of business, but we'll give you a flight. One of them said they'll sell me a ticket for about 125 thereabouts. Uh-huh. And I'm uh-huh. like, oh, God, I got to pay for this? So I went to the next one, and they're like, don't worry. Just, you just jump on our plane. We have room for you. We'll give you the seat. Wherever you oh, want to that's go. Great. I'm like, that's hey, great. thank you very much. Mm-hmm. That's very kind of you. And then I just jumped on a plane and went home. And uh, it was, you know, kind of bad luck, good luck situation. And uh, yeah, that's pretty yeah. much it. Well, my dad, I'm sorry. Uh, I think he flew on Eastern. Yeah, we, uh, most all of us uh, that were pilots, we've got one up in Canada that uh, worked our flights. And um, that's Renee, who you heard uh, is from London. And, uh, but yeah, uh, I'm sorry that you had to lose some money on Eastern when we, when we went under, but, um, that happened. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, my dad, but, uh, where are you that, from uh, originally? Where are you from originally, okay. Vito? I'm originally from, uh, New York, New York city, born in Brooklyn. Parents came over from Europe. Uh, they're pretty much World War II babies. My mom told me that, uh, first it was the German tanks rolling through her town. Then it was the, uh, American soldiers came through, and she was a young girl, so they just gave her chocolate. So my mom was happy to see them. I always gave her chocolate. Now, I don't know about the older girls, what happened with them. But anyway, so we um, we lived in New York City, and then we moved. Uh, my, my daddy and my mama bought a house in the suburbs, about 20 miles outside of New York City. And I grew up and stayed there for many years and went to college and learned about finance and stocks and bonds and insurance. And then we moved down to Florida with my girlfriend, uh, who became my wife. Uh, we saw St. Augustine uh, for the first time, and we loved it. And then we came back and bought a home. We bought a home a little further away in Palm Coast, Florida. And then we went back to New York. And then I did my research, and it turned out there was an office. I was employed in New York, and they had a, a, another office in Jacksonville. So then I was traveling back and forth about 50 miles each way, but I didn't mind because I was loving Florida, and I wasn't seeing any snow. And then uh, finally we moved to St. Augustine, got a little closer. And then uh, two years later, I just uh, resigned, retired, and uh, just waiting on a pension maybe in a few years to come my way in the mail. Good. So hoping for that, get well, some burgers well, with that money. You hear, Mike, and you hear, Jim, you guys need to be in Florida. You don't need to be up there in New York. Mike. <laughs> I'm not New York. I'm not. I was there for I know one you year. Are. Close Close one year I, 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 had a house in, I had a house in Florida with my mom for about 10 years. Okay. The trouble with Florida is it's flatter than Twiggy. You know? <laughs> yeah, flatter than Twiggy. <laughs> yeah, it's flat. Yeah, flatter than Tweedy. Oh, Tweedy from the 60s. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Andy Warhol's uh, girlfriend or friend. Yeah. 
Yeah. My my brother-in-law and my sister moved down to Florida about 30 years ago. When they first moved down there, they couldn't get used to the flatland, so they'd take, go out and take rides. And if they found an area that had some a little bit of hills, they'd, they'd drive yeah. over them and they make a U-turn and go back over them a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, well, we have that mountain in, in Mount know, Dora. In There's a place called Mount Dora. Yeah. We're looking for that yeah. mountain. That's right. I don't know where that mountain is. It's Thrill Hill. You know, uh, in central Florida, there is a hill. It's called Thrill Hill, and you can come over that thing and as as a uh, uh, out of high school, I think before I went to college, uh, and I had a girlfriend. I used to take her up through central Florida just to go over Thrill Hill. And you didn't know Thrill it was Hill. coming. You'd get off at the distance and make a run at it, and all of a sudden the road just dropped out from under you. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> and that same Thrill Hill had the, uh, uh, what do you call it, an optical illusion. You would bottom oh, out at the bottom and take your car, put it in neutral, and it would go up, back uphill. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Crazy. Oh, boy. It's like Norm Crosby would on, say. Yeah, Norm Crosby hill. would say it was an optical delusion. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I see it here. It's St. Petersburg, Florida. Is my, that about right? That's it. Yeah, well, it's uh, uh, east of that, the central Florida, Thrill Hill, I believe oh, okay. is what it's called. Yeah. yeah. But uh, it, they it's might have leveled it out by now. Blueberry Hill. Yeah. That's where I found my thrill on Blueberry Hill. I call it Mars Hill. That's that's the college. <laughs> well, you know what I think about Florida, though, Neil. The only thing that's good about Florida is stone crabs, but you got to drive all the way Joe's down the whole crate of Florida just to get them. Yeah. In Miami, yeah, oh, down to Miami. Miami Beach, Miami right. Beach. Mm, that good. Hey, Miami uh, I want to ask uh, Renee from Canada. How often did you get to come to Florida, Renee? Did you take many trips down here? Uh, yeah, I took uh, quite a few, uh, as often as I could. Stayed over <laughs> in Miami Beach and uh, rented cars and uh, had a lot of fun. Especially, I really enjoyed Florida. And then especially I actually in the wintertime. I was down in Florida when the uh, uh, Eastern Continental, they had the uh, the, the academy uh, based at the um, the training center. So I was in Miami for a while anyway, living there. Oh, okay. Uh, right. Yeah. Well, you probably hit Joe Stone Crab there in Miami Beach. Mm-hmm. You know, Jim Holder, mighty fine, mighty fine. Joe's, mm-hmm. Joe's was there when we arrived in 1944. I was about nine years old when my mother uh-huh. uh, brought us down from North Carolina, Goldsboro, where I was from. My mother and father got mm-hmm. a divorce, and she couldn't take that uh, train uh, <laughs> being a railroad worker. I think my dad was pretty much alcoholic, you know, and so she'd had enough of it, so she took off and took to South Florida and we went with her of course and and uh, but Joe Stonecrab was there when we arrived. I didn't know about it, I was too young. But it has mm-hmm. been there for years and years. Yeah, that's that's a great place to go, but there are a few others uh, pretty good too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Down yeah. there in Miami Beach. Yeah, well, Joe Stonecrab. It's good. Um, before we talk a little bit more, I'm going to play this song. And this is a song for Mike, you, and uh, Vito. Here's a song I'm going to dedicate to you guys. All right.
What happened to Frank Sinatra? What happened to Frank Sinatra? Yeah, I was going to say I, vague, I vaguely remember that one, but it wasn't uh, one of the most uh, popular ones. Well, guess Old who the, guess guess who the orchestra was? No clue. Have you ever heard of Ray Conniff? Oh yes, oh, yeah. definitely. Okay, that was the Ray Conniff and the singers. Ray Conniff and he was very popular back in the day. He sure. had that great song that was called Lemire, remember? Yeah. Oh, he did a lot of great, great songs. Yeah. Hello there, Al Jenkins. Good to have you with us. I think Al Jenkins is with us. Maybe that's not Al Jenkins. <laughs> well, yeah, anyway. good morning. Okay, yeah, that's right. you got a time delay there in Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But uh, I because wanted to hear the bottle voice. in one hand and the phone in the other, and you can't talk with the go. other one. Uh, <laughs> there were some great, great songs back in the day, and uh, these this yeah. is what we call uh, Vito. This is what we call Eastern music, the music that like we it. listened to, that we grew up with. Yeah. Can I tell you a quick story? Yes, sir. That's what the story. <laughs> it's once upon a long time ago. Go ahead. You know, it's just quickly about Frank Sinatra. When I, when I moved down to Florida, I left all my friends and family behind, just had my girlfriend, and I walked into a Starbucks, and they didn't—they uh, used to sell uh, uh, music back then, and now they don't. They had CDs. So I bought Frank Sinatra's uh, greatest hits. It was about 21, 22 songs. Uh, you know, That's Life, New York, New York, um, Luck Be a Lady Tonight. And I tell you, Frank Sinatra was my kind of my pseudo friend for about two, three years. I would just listen to his songs and uh, set my head straight again. It's like yeah, therapy. It'll do it's it. free therapy. Hello there? Hello? Am I still alone? Yeah, hello, hello. Yeah, hello. You know, you couldn't beat Frank Sinatra when he teamed up with uh, Sammy Davis Jr. and Dean Martin and Joey Bishop and, uh, you know, the Rat, Rat Pack. Pack. yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I heard about that. 
I wanted mm, to yeah. go to that hotel they used to stay at. What is that down in Miami? That big one. It's a the little Fountain bit up, Blue. Up, a little. Which one? The Fountain Blue. The Fountain Blue. Yes, I still have to stay Rock, there. Are the Are the Eden Rock? One of the two. They were the two big hotels back in the day. Oh right, is well, Eden Rock Riviera in Las Vegas? Yeah, Riviera. Yeah. Okay, very good. Well, I got I got a little story. I, I've told it before, but it was back in my maintenance days. Yeah, go ahead, Mike. Well, I I, I think I told you guys that I, I ended up getting two weeks off on account of two uh, flight attendants uh, back in the '60s when they uh, they were all wearing the hot pants and the mini skirts. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, what happened was I was starting, starting off a shift. And uh, Milton Maxwell, may he rest in peace, he was my uh, number one shift lead at Kennedy. And he assigned me a job on a DC-9, which was down in Bay 4, uh, or Bay 6, correction. And it was a DC-8 in Bay 4, and there was nothing in Bay 2. So it was a summer day, and the hangar doors were all open. It was a 727 ferrying out from... uh, from Kennedy going to, I think it was going up to Boston, I'm not sure, and the crew left right from there. So, lo and behold, we have three Eastern flight attendants when they were in those green and blue and white uh, miniskirts and hot pants. Yeah. Well, three of them went wiggling out there, <laughs> and uh, and I got my eye on these gals, and I have my about a 75-pound toolbox in my right hand that I'm carrying. And I was walking between Bay 2 and Bay 6 to get to the airplane. And I was just beamed right in on those gals, and so was everybody else. So (laughs) what happened to me was, while I was watching the gals, I run my head into the VHF antenna on the DC-8 dropped the toolbox on my right foot. Oh, God. (laughs) And so I, I was on light duty for two weeks. And the kind of, kind of three Eastern flight attendants. <laughs> oh, man, I thought when you were telling that, you said you had the two weeks off that you made some weird mark that somebody heard, and they made you get fired for two weeks or something. Of course, I, I, I didn't tell them what caused me to drop the toolbox. That's a good one. Anybody else have one? Uh, Jim, you have one or uh, well, uh, you Renee? got a, a dead spot. You got a dead spot. Uh, I will fill it with Bubba and Billy Bob if you want me to. Yeah, tell us about Bubba and B- Billy Bob. Bubba and Go Billy ahead. Bob. You know they live over there in Alabama. Well, they were walking <laughs> down the street in Atlanta and they see a sign on the store which says suits five dollars each, shirts two dollars each, trousers two fifty each. Bubba says to his pal, Billy Bob, look here. We could buy gobs of these. Take them back to Tuscaloosa. Sell them to our friends. We're going to make a fortune. Now, listen, just let me do the talking because they hear your accent. They're going to think we're ignorant, and we won't, they won't want to sell that stuff to us. Now, I'm going to talk in a slow Georgia drawl so they don't know we from Alabama. Well, they go in, and Bubba says with his best fake Georgia drawl, I'll take Fifty of them there suits at five dollars each, and I'll take a hundred of them there shirts at two dollars each. Fifty pairs of them there trousers at two fifty each, and then I'll back my pickup truck up 
And the owner of the store interrupted and said, you boys played football for Bama, didn't you? Yeah, says the surprised bubble. Well, how come you know that? He said, because this is a dry cleaning. <laughs> oh, Billy Bob, Billy and Bob and Bubba, they get in trouble everywhere they go. <laughs> well, we're going to come up with we're going to come up with some Cajun jokes. You know, we used to have a captain, a Gene Casadabon, and um, yeah. and he he was the president of the retired Eastern Pilots Association and real good friend of Jim Holder and myself. Uh, and uh, uh, I miss him. He passed away a few years ago. But at the conventions, we'd always listen, especially when the officers and directors would meet a little bit early before the convention started, and we'd go out to dinner. And we'd always ask Gene, okay, Gene, tell us some Cajun jokes and Cajun stories. And, boy, you remember, Jim, he would come up with some great ones. And he would oh, talk yeah. in that Cajun accent of his, right, right. making it even you better. Know John, you know John Italy, another Eastern coyote, yeah. ended up with Delta. He's can well. He he knows a million of those Cajun jokes. He can. But he was my guest twice at QBs and once for the Atlanta luncheon, and he had them rolling in the aisles, boy, with all those Cajun jokes. Yeah. Well, I've got one that I've told, and I can't find it, but I'm gonna pull it out somewhere in my files on my computer about uh, the two Cajun pilots, and uh, that's a, a Cajun Airlines, and it that is mm-hmm. a hilarious one. So maybe we can bring that out in the next show. But I got one more song that I want to play and uh, before we get too much further along. And this one was uh, requested from our listener that we had a couple of weeks ago and last week also um, and asked for me to play this song by Nat King Cole. You all remember Nat King Cole. Mm Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. she oh, yeah. she is from Romania. So we have a listener over in Romania. So this song is for her. Here it is. men have named you You're so like the lady with the mystic smile Is it only cause you're lonely they have blamed you For that Mona Lisa strangeness in your smile Do you smile to tempt a lover, Mona Lisa? Or is this your way to hide a broken heart? Many dreams have been brought to your doorstep. They just lie there. And they die there Are you warm? Are you real? Mona 
But I grew up with Eastern Airlines, not Pan American. In my heart, the wings of man will always be number one. That's Shea. So yeah, good, well, Shea good got some. He always had some speaking voice. Oh, he had a fantastic mm-hmm. speaking voice. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. They would probably have hired him. Eastern would probably have hired him because I think we had the best speaking voices in uh, advertising, airline advertising. Yeah. Uh, uh, Alexander Scorby. Uh, you guys, if if you can't remember Alexander Scorby's voice, you know he actually recorded the Old and New Testament. I mean the entire Old and New mm. Testament. And that was back when they had tapes, and not the CDs, but tapes. And when you bought the Old Testament and New Testament, I mean, you had a shelf full of tapes. My mother, uh, bless her heart, she uh, fell in love with that, with that, with Alexander. I always said Alexander Scorby's voice was a voice like God's. So none mm-hmm. better to record the Old and New Testament. But uh, look like him up Orson on the Wells, internet. Right? Yeah, and like Orson Welles. I think we had Orson Welles for a while too. But uh, some great, and there's a couple of others that were very popular. But Scorby's voice was just tremendous. Yeah. So at any rate, um, uh, that's about. Uh, you guys got anything else? We're getting close to uh, uh, going off the air here. I have one little beast bit of trivia that I want to throw out to you guys to see if you... I'll tell my boom-boom story next time. But uh, this is uh, a little trivia. How many five-star generals in the U.S. Army? Uh, I know of one. There were I give up. only there were only one. Let's see. Well, I'll read them. George C. Marshall, World War II. Douglas MacArthur, World War II. Dwight D. Eisenhower, World War II. Omar Bradley, World War II. And Henry Hap Arnold, World War II. And um, who later became the only five-star general in the Air Force, by the way. Hap Arnold did. Yeah. Now. In other words, we don't have any five-star generals today because they're all four-stars. Only when there's a wartime is there a commissioned five-star rank. And there are 11 four-star generals today in the U.S. Army, nine admirals, which are equivalent to four-star generals in the Navy, four in the Marine Corps, and 14 four-stars in the Air Force. So there you have it. Well, we used to have up in uh, when our airplane was based over in Sacramento at McClellan Air Force Base. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, in the hangar next to us, they had uh, uh, Hap Arnold's DC-3 that he uh, oh. he flew around. Of course, it bounced around for a while, and it was owned by Otis Spunkmeyer for a while. And then uh-huh. this guy named Jim Gabbert bought it, and it's uh, and he repainted it all in the uh, Hap Arnold colors. And it was not, not it, actually it was not a DC three. They called it a C forty one. Uh huh. And they only they only made two C forty one models. One of them crashed, and the other one was was Hap Arnold. So we had it in the hangar next to us. 
he he was our hangar mate. <laughs> okay. It's still it's still it's still in there, still sitting out there. I think it's in Oakland now, sitting in the hangar. Wow. wow. Neil, Neil, something just popped up on my computer. I might want to read if you want to let me about this guy's son. Uh, his son sent him a message. It's real short. He's applying those C-17s into Kabul. And I can read it if you want to. And I, I just read do. it. I can't explain. No, okay, read it. This is, this is exactly what it says. Wet trailers, no AC, no Wi-Fi, 48C, that's centigrade, 118 Fahrenheit, sitting on ramp for 10-plus hours with all engines running until they start flaming out, utter chaos. 10% of the base works their ass off for 100% of the work. Refugees are passing out from heat stroke. Babies born on jet. One bathroom for 450 people, plus 450 people. Wow. Emergency is becoming part of everyone's call sign. Talks of AR past 26-hour duty day. I'm not sure what AR is. 32-hour duty day, now normal. Leadership here is incompetent to make a change. Now jets are breaking left and right. RN, we've sat at the jet six hours with no APU. Huffer carts are breaking down. Aviconics overheat. Afghanistan passengers are being forced to floor load from OTBH, whatever that is, to ETAR. No seat belts. Minimum lav. Hard covered floor with plastic tops, tarps. Overall, you can't make up this stuff. No words to describe. And that's a C-17 pilot. Sent that to his daddy. Wow. Wow. Jeez. I just thought, wow. I was thinking about it. They, you know, those airplanes only got one lab on them, I guess. And you got 450 Good. people flying for 10 hours. Good. Gravy. Wow. Well, it's... It, um... It's something else that's happening over there, and uh, hopefully we'll get mm-hmm. everyone out safely as, uh, oh, as we can. Yeah. And and um, mm, I, I I would like to add that uh, Eastern version 3.0, Eastern Airlines version 3.0. Um, Vito, you might not know, but Eastern Airlines is they've tried to come back to life three times now. So the third attempt uh, seems like they're doing pretty well, and uh, they are good. sending sending uh, their jet fleet, which uh, a couple of them, I think, seven six sevens over there to help with the uh, exit of the military and also the, the citizens. And also, Ed Weagle, who was the president of Version 2.0. And we ought to congratulate them. He has an airline now called Global X is the airline that he's hmm. operating. And and uh, Susan Weigel, his wife, has put on Facebook uh, many times that they got their certificate. And um, they are now supplying an airplane over to the efforts in, in Afghanistan. So, And I think they well, use the 777s. So. That's good news for Eastern. Uh, the Eastern name is back in the air is what we like to see, and we hope they do well, and Global X as well. 
show. I saw on the saw on the news when they kept showing the reruns of the C-17s taking off, and then you probably all seen it. Then there was the A-330 that landed, and then there's another one with a white 727-200 that, that yeah. taking yeah. off, and it's got some kind of a blue Something emblem blue. on the tail, but you blue. can't make it out. That's right. I yeah, that's right. I saw it. That's Eastern, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, it's great that uh, the airlines, and I'm sure United, American, and Delta all are um, also contributing to the efforts of getting those folks back home. Well, I hear old Merle Haggard in the background. Oh, Merle. And, uh, old Merle. Vito, I hope you like our show today and want you back yeah, great. as often as you can. you you got to learn something from these Tape, kitchen table radio shows that we do, but we enjoy doing them. Well, I'm smiling right now. I think I liked it. Okay, all right. And it could be the same around our neighborhood, too. But we have fun doing it. All right, well, let's hear a little bit more of Merle Haggard and Silver Wings. Don't take that but you locked me out of your mind And left me standing here behind Silver wings Shining in the sunlight Roaring engines Headed somewhere in flight they're taking you away Leaving me lonely Silver wings Slowly fading out of Captain used to tell me when I was his co-pilot, we don't have much fun, but we have a piss poor time. That's it. So, <laughs> hope you guys are listening again next week. Take care, guys. Good night. Good night. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.